Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles, the international edition. I am Ron Kulik, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. And with me, of course, is the most irritating Steve Parsons. Watcher. What's that? Watcher. Watcher what? That's pretty safe. Watcher. What's a watcher me? What's up? Hi, hello, watcher. Watcher? Yeah, whatever. They try to be so cool, but it just doesn't work. We are cool. You know, someday they'll even have two ply toilet paper. Two ply? We're on four ply. Yeah, right. No chance of putting your finger banned. through British toilet it's paper. It's banned. Are you kidding me? It's banned. Not over here. Really? Anyway, I uh, I was watching uh, 300 Rise of an Empire. You ever see the, any of those stupid movies, the 300? I have seen the first one, 300, yeah. and the second one, which is 301, wasn't it? No, 300 Rise of an Empire was actually about yeah, the, the, the naval that. battles. But oh. uh, it was it was really irritating because they were all Greeks, but they all spoke British. Scottish, America, with Scottish an American accent. What the hell is that, you know? <laughs> Well, it's well but known. It's, that, it's well known that I mean, think back to Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. Russell I mean, Crowe. He had an Australian accent. Yeah, I know. I just can't figure that I out. Told you those Romans so, are everywhere. Somehow it just just gets so bizarre. Yeah, you know, just, he was. He was a, and... Yeah, he had an Australian accent, and he was a Spanish Spaniard. See, I can't tell the difference between like Scottish and. English or, or uh, right. Welsh or anything. I can't else. tell the difference between American and Canadian, so we're okay. Oh, it's easy. They always put the prepositions before the uh, nouns. It's like throw the horse over the fence. Tell the difference page. between I can tell the difference between Americans and Mexicans because there are no Mexicans left in in America, are there? We've all been deported oh, yeah, now. Of course we are. I thought they'd all been. I thought you'd built the wall. No, no, anyway. no. We, we've got them in our farms doing their. Uh, anyway. You suggested um, you were looking for subjects for tonight, weren't we? No, no, no. So anyways... Uh, <sighs> Another hour of research wasted. So anyways, I listened to my partner here who suggested we talk about the Houghton Mansion. So I decided to do that and have spent the last <sighs> three hours researching the Houghton Mansion. So when I suggested that first, you went, oh, I knew that. Yeah, so what's the oh, point? So now you changed your mind again. Well, not really changed it. I never changed it. I never suggested it. No, I suggested it, and then you disregarded it. <laughs> Whatever. So, for those who don't know the Houghton Mansion, you probably might know it from, like, uh, those Zack and the Boys, Ghost Adventurers. Or you might know them from uh, the, what is that other one? Uh, I forget. Oh, yeah. The ro- well, you've done the, three uh, hours hunters. of research. The ghost hunters. Yes, yes, the goat hunters. Remember them? Yeah, the 
goes like yeah. this. So, but way before these guys, <coughs> excuse me, was the uh, New England Ghost Project. Sorry? So, the New England Ghost Project. Oh, okay. That's the letter N, the letter E, Ghost Project. <coughs> excuse me, you're killing me. Yes, uh, I, I, um, when you when you made your little announcement regarding that location, I, I looked it up because, I, you know, obviously I'm a long way away and I wanted to know where it was in relation to the, pla- the, the few places, you know, the few locations I've been to in, Ma- in mass. And Jesus, it's a long way. It's about two and a half hours for me. Yeah. And I was I was worrying about asking you to go to Springfield. Now Springfield's close compared. Yeah, well, I realise that now. It's right in the top left-hand corner, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's nearly in California. If you say so. Uh... So what's the attraction? Why? Okay. What, what's the interest and what's the attraction? Because it just looks like I a building. I don't know. bugging me? Oh, great. Oh, are you kidding me? It just it's, looks like it just looks like a building with a ghost. Yeah, yes, it's a big. It's a bit. I, it yeah, I understand. I understand the natural attraction of Americans to anything over five years old, um, but it, it's just a relatively modern building built on top of an older building with a basement that's been bricked up and one ghost. Uh, so what's the attraction? Oh, well, we'll never know what the attraction was, so uh, we'll go back to the more interesting subject, and we'll talk about my my favourite subject, because we were actually going to talk about poltergeists, uh, but until we got waylaid by a building... Okay, here we are. Oh, here we are. Oh, I was just going to start enough. talking about poltergeists. Yeah, I know. We'll yeah, so go on. Yeah. What's, the, what's the big deal about this normal, old... You know, It's not even an old building. It's a long way from anywhere. It's got one ghost. What do you mean it's a long way from anywhere? It's it's in the 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 Ritchie section, the Ritchie section of of downtown North Adams. I want to know. Probably one of the most paranormally investigated places in Massachusetts. Doesn't mean it's haunted though. But what's the attraction? Of course, it's haunted. That was how it all started. Well, according according to all of the research research sources I've been looking at, there only there is only one reputable ghost there. But nonetheless, what's the attraction? There are plenty of haunted buildings much nearer. Anyways, you. the yeah, we were actually, and I'm, I'm what I'm trying to do is is I know I have the uh, uh, the uh, anyway, but anyways, yeah, we were called there by uh, the Masons back in because the Masons owned the mansion back in uh, 2004. Uh, long before it was even on the radar for most people, uh, there was an author by the name of Sherry Ravellis who was writing about writing about haunted places in Massachusetts, and she wanted to include um, the Hilton Mansion on in her book. Uh, the Masons, being reputable people, didn't want it in the book unless they were uh, comfortable that it was haunted. So they contacted New England Ghost Project, uh, and we went out there and did the first investigation of it a long time ago. And uh, sure enough, yeah, it's, it's, it's haunted. There's been plenty of stories related well, to it. And, okay, but, what, but how are you defining haunted, and what, what 
um, what are your criteria for judging it to be haunted? Uh, apparitions, uh, you know, the usual, usual crap. You can't just trip off apparitions and the usual crap. Come on, let's have some, let's have, put some meat onto this skeleton. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, you've, you've said several times it's, uh, it's, it's very haunted. It's one of the most haunted buildings in Massachusetts. One of the most you, investigated it, buildings in Massachusetts. You, one, sorry, one of the, one, sorry, one of the I most never call anything sorry, most haunted. That's the, one of the most investigated buildings in Massachusetts. And you were one of the first groups to investigate it on behalf yeah. of a reputable group of owners, the, the group of Masons. Uh, you then made a very bold statement. So, uh, on what's the basis for making that statement? What what happened? What did you see? What did you what did you do there? What what was the evidence? Tell well, us. The, yeah, the 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 entire uh, the entire uh, investigation is, of course, uh, one of the chapters in our first book, Ghost Chronicles. So, if you want to see what happened on that first, well, I, uh, I I've got the book, but the readers, the listeners haven't. So, go on. So, Tell anyways, them. if if you. Uh, purchase the book of course you can look it up and listen to the, the entire <sighs> you've forgotten haven't you would you like me to read you your own book and remind you of what no I'm... that's all right no that's all right you i sure? know exactly what happened well the... go on then tell everybody as far as you defined it as a you know it was you said it was haunted and mm-hmm. you did an investigation what what i did many the... investigations here really well, tell us about them God, well, it's, like I mean, it's it's like I mean, what what do you want to know about I, it? Do you want every well, single piece of evidence that was no, collected? But, but I give can me, do that. That's give, not a problem. You haven't done anything yet. Give me your top three things that took place. Uh, full body apparition. Uh, you can't. Uh, yeah, you, give me the detail. Oh, sure. That was actually one of the easiest ones. Is that? Oh, uh, God, are we going to get somewhere? I ran one. I ran a. <laughs> after uh, after the first investigations, and and I became friends with the. Uh, the Masons there, and of course, uh, Berkshire Paranormal was formed uh, after us, and uh, and uh, in both of us, and and they uh, held different events there. I, I, I did a first uh, big conference there back. Oh God, it was must have been 2005, 2006, somewhere around there, called Contact, and uh, Jeff Belanger was there, and Christian Day, and Sean Portier, Dr. Bell. Uh, God, the angel lady, uh, Elizabeth Foley. I mean, it was a uh, different ton of different people at it. But anyway, so I, I was setting up for the conference in, in the main in the main uh, hall. They have a large hall with the stage, and uh, we had a big screen set up. And I was setting up the projector, and there was a little room to the uh, left of me. And I looked over, and I see a woman standing there. So uh, this is before the carpet started, and I didn't recognize her. So I went up to, you know, address her and see who she was. And as I got close to her, she turned and went to the, uh, let me see, the left, and then just disappeared. And, of course, I followed her right immediately, and there was no exit there at all. It was just a wall, solid wall. So she was there, and then she wasn't. So this was in daylight. Uh, I was just doing my my work, setting up, and uh, not looking for anything to happen. And uh, that happened. So uh, that was what's the, what's the well-known story that's attached to the mansion? Because there is a ghost, a single ghost story attached to it, isn't there? Uh, there, there are many ghost stories attached. Well, there's one that there's there's one primary. 
um, that predates, you know, the, the sort of the mass uh, of ones that right. come the, along. The, the story about it, of course, was is the mansion was owned by the the former mayor of uh, North Adams, uh, uh, Mr. Houghton, and uh, he was out on, on a uh, joyride with uh, his chauffeur. Uh, his daughter and I believe a cousin they were in an open uh, air uh, car an arrow something or other arrow pierce or pierce arrow whatever and they were going up the mountainside and there was a work gang uh, working in the road so the chauffeur went over to the side to go around them and he hit the soft side soft uh, side of the road and the car went down the embankment rolled over Uh, Mary Hutton who was the cousin uh, was was killed instantaneously. Um, also, Mary Hooten uh, died from her wounds uh, on the way to the hospital. And uh, even though um, see, um, the, Mr. Houghton was injured, he he lived, and uh, the chauffeur lived fine. Uh, a couple of days later, uh, John Witter, who was the chauffeur. Uh, felt really distressed about the accident and went into the hospital and put a bullet through his head. And then what? a couple of days later, CJ, uh, the Mr. Houghton, died mysteriously. Uh, his wounds were not fatal, but he ended up dying. And so all four of them died within a short period of time. So that's the, the story. The apparition you saw, um, yep. I mean, did it have any, uh, was there anything distinctive about the clothing or? Oh, I know you're going to uh, ask me that, and 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 it's kind of like. Well, of course uh, I'm going to ask you. I know it's kind of like, uh, you know, she had a dress on, but it wasn't like you know, you know, it, it wasn't something that I noticed really too much. I, I noticed more that she was there than uh, the fine details of it. So you know, I, when I went to her, and, and was I mean, the apparition in color or black and white? I know that's the interesting thing. I believe it was in color, but I am not 100% sure because it was so long ago. Um, but I believe it was in black and white because I th- I thought she was a real person, so it must have been black and white. If it wasn't, I mean, in color. Otherwise, I, I would have not because I absolutely thought it was a real person, and I and I went to chase it down and find out why she was there, and that's what happened. I mean, it only happened within a a few uh, you know less than a minute. The whole thing that it would occur really. It sounds drawn out, but 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 if you stretch it out, that's the way it sounds. But uh, you know that was that. And, and during our first investigation, we also had uh, we were in the basement, and uh, there was a Maureen, I believe it was, picked up on a little girl that was in the basement, and um, there was never any reports of a little girl or anything prior to that. But then. After that investigation, uh, she became another house ghost of the uh, mansion. So. Do you think there's a there's a danger there's uh, the likelihood then that we say Maureen picked up on a little girl? There've been no previous reports on little girl, yep. and because given, you're, there was given, really not too many previous yeah, reports, anyways. That's why well, the, the Masons called us in. Yeah, but 
if we look at other other cases, and, and now the Hooton Mansion has been investigated by uh, Ghost Adventures and by Ghost Hunters. I mean, it was, it was, it was right and, on Ghost Hunts USA, and they had just a weekly investigation. Yeah, and now when I last looked, I mean, there was, there was the one original reporting of the apparition of uh, the, the associated with the case. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I when I was looking further, um, there were now fourteen or fifteen attributed apparitions and phantoms haunting yep. uh, the mansion. Now, do you think that the ghost hunters themselves are part of the problem here, or are they just you know when you start the investigation, you're just missing the other fourteen and you're finding them one by one? Um, you know, are the ghost hunters creating I mean, that's, or bringing good... the apparitions along with them? That's a really good question, Steve, and, and, and I, I kind of believe what you just said there is that, uh, and not necessarily even that they bring them with them, although I, I bet there are some that, that will do, but also uh, there's a phenomenon what I like to call street ghosts, and that's when spirit, when you get an apparition or, or spirit that comes up or shows up in an investigation when it has nothing to do with the house or anything else, it just seems to show up and that may be attributed if if they ask you know the, the deceased that they may uh just realize that someone's trying to contact the other side and they would just want to be heard or seen or they just may be curious in itself but you know and we have no clue for i mean we really don't have no proof or any of that yeah but what you do find is that i mean whether they do drop in or wandering off the street they seem to stick around because then subsequent investigations also pick up the same uh, phenomenon, right. the same apparition. And, so and, once they've wandered in, they don't seem to be that keen on wandering out again to, no. the next, to the next haunted house or the next group of investigators up the road. You know, they, they, say, say, say you're dead, Stephen, you're just like wandering. And, and, yeah, it feels and like nobody, it. Sometimes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, it does but many times. But anyways, uh, you're just wandering. You, you, and nobody can see you. Nobody can hear you. you you have no contact, and finally, you have somebody who's at least tempting to speak with you or, or make contact with you. When you kind of hang around to be heard, if, if you have something to say or whatever, or just to annoy people, I know I would. Well, I, I don't know, but I, what you do see, I mean, what you can say with a degree of, of absolute certainty is that... Oh, absolute more... certainty. I love this. Go ahead. The more a building is investigated, the more phantoms that it that it ultimately has. Um, you know, you can see that in many haunted locations here in the UK, um, and it seems what? not that dissimilar situation over in America. You know, the more the more people that go, the more groups that it visit, then the more phantoms the location adds to its sort of repertoire. And, and, and the interesting thing, interesting thing about that steve too is is that if you you go into the purely religious aspects of it and you look at the the ouija board right and one of the the big uh the big uh, curses of the ouija board is that yes you might make contact with someone but they might not uh be who they appear to be and you hear many many stories of this at, at, at girls in sleepovers where they think they're talking to a, a hunk or something and it turns out to be this evil thing so I, I think it, in a way, and, and this is all theory and this is just talk, is that sometimes the, the spirit or energy or, or whatever this thing is, uh, we don't even know if they're really you know, deceased people. <laughs> they could be a, a separate entity altogether. They actually become what 
you want them to be. And, and that, that occurs like that was the big rap on the, the Ouija board. But I, I believe that occurs in ghost hunting as well, uh, that they can morph themselves, if you will, into what you want them to be. Uh, you know, if you're looking for Anne Boleyn, damn well, you got to find Anne Boleyn. Possibly. Um, I, I, I'm trying, struggling to try to think of examples other than the obviously well-known parapsychology experiments. Um, what do you got? You got something good? Well, I was thinking of the Philip experiment, you know, the most obvious one where a group of people created a ghost out of thin air. Yeah. But I can't, I can't for the life of me, think of cases where um, a group would have uh, necessarily consciously or subconsciously created a phantom. Um or why the there is an apart from there is an obvious continuity in reporting, particularly with social media. You know, one yep. group reads another group's report, and in fact, many locations have a diary that they keep, or right. used to keep in the days pre even pre social media. So you could read about the adventures of others, and the names that they've come up with. So there is that sort of cross contamination, but it is it is a truism that you know the, the more a location is haunt, uh, is investigated the more haunted it becomes mm-hmm. but i i i still you know i i still kind of don't understand what what the attraction is in terms of that particular building versus other similar buildings in this in the, in the state because uh, if it's number one it's accessible number two there have been so many reports of haunting, although there was never in the beginning. Uh, you know, it, it just it, it yeah. has like become a life of its own, really. Uh, the, the the story, I guess, the, the probably the, the most the most uh, compelling one we heard when we did our first investigation was that uh, they had rented the mansion out to a uh, uh, like a. Uh, I forget. I think it was a travel, like a uh, sales organization, and they would send salesmen out door to door or whatever. And the guy that ran it was a big burly guy, and uh, he was uh, working there one night, and uh, he uh, saw an apparition and ran out of there and never went back in again. And they closed their their operations from there and, and moved to someone else shortly after that. So th- that was the, one of the stories that. Uh, we were told when we first uh, and now I've never seen uh, the spirit supposedly that this guy had seen because he, he described it as someone else but um, once again we don't know it's all conjecture I mean we sit here we make theories and, 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 and you know we get right into your topic which is poltergeist right I mean you have the most learned parapsychologist to tell you <laughs> that uh Poltergeists are merely the uh, uh, sigh of uh, angry adolescents. Uh, isn't that correct? Or did I kind of cut that down a little bit? But basically, isn't that what it? Well, that's one of the theories. I mean, there are many. Um, that, in fact, that's, the, that theory goes way, way, way back uh, to the early 1900s. Um, it's actually attributed to a couple of investigators or researchers from the SPR. Frank Podmore is um, one of them who who used to call it the naughty child or the naughty girl effect. The naughty girl effect. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, you can understand why when you look at some of the cases, but um, this idea has, has spread. Uh, you know, it's had a hundred years head start over, over other ideas and theories. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and it and it's 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 sort of spread, and it's a nice, comfortable explanation that parapsychologists so so love and adore because it gets them off the hook. Um, you know, they can you know they don't have to believe in life after death; they can just believe in um, you know the power of the human mind, even though you know it, it, they're asking you to understand that um, a, an adolescent can project such great mental energy that they can, you know, move heavy objects, rip fire, uh, gas, uh, cast iron fireplaces out, uh, out of walls, levitate the people, levitate, you know, heavy objects, throw stones and dirt, set fire to things, uh, cause water to appear, um, you know, which, which they sort of, oh, that's not paranormal, it's all perfectly normal, it's all done by, you know, the crazy delusions of, uh, of an adolescent. Right. Um, which is why they like it, though, because it's a nice, comfortable, um, ex- ready, sort of packaged McDonald's explanation that they don't have to think about. But Basically, it's recurrent, spontaneous psychokinesis. Right, um, but, don't, but don't we do that in, in everything? I mean, we, we, we grab a, a certain set of facts or a certain study, and that becomes the absolute truth, and there are no deviations. Like, EMF causes people to, to hallucinate. Uh, ultrasound causes, uh, not ultrasound, uh, infrasound causes uh, uh, paranormal activity. Uh, you know, there's, there's tons of them that we, we all just grab them and say, okay, this fits what I'm looking for, so I'm going to accept it, and this is fact, this is the truth. Even though there may be some deviations that doesn't fit this, we ignore those deviations and just accept the, uh, the rest as fact. Yeah, because what we're looking for is is well part of it is parapsychology looking for an easy out an easy explainer the other one is is down to um people not really reading in depth the research and only concentrating on the headline articles um particularly in relation to electromagnetic fields infrasound and poltergeists mm-hmm. you know they, they've been brought up on a diet of the room always goes cold before the phantom appears because they see the breath um on the on the people you know in the movies uh, condensing. Hey, that happened to us at the Houghton Mansion. Well, there we are. There you go. See? But <laughs> but people are, are con- you know they, they see these these effects and they 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 sort of get to accept that as a fact a fact accepted simply by repetition. You know, if you repeat something often enough, people accept it as a truth. Uh, mm-hmm. When, if, when in actual fact there are dozens, and when we come back from the break, we can talk about some of the other theories. And there's, you know, there's nine or ten, um, all of which have, you know, something going for them and something against them. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's but it's you know, para, parapsycho. I mean, poltergeists have been around for a lot longer than people think. Yeah, and I, I do want to get into poltergeists more than uh, I, I, I guess. Is poltergeist, I mean, is it the same as, as a regular ghost, or are we just calling it the phenomenon well, of poltergeist? Well, that's, that's, that's that, what that's, I'm intrigued about. Yeah, that's one of the fascinating questions that I think we, is the first question that we should deal with as we come back in about 15 seconds' time. And we, today, don't forget to stay tuned because uh, we will uh, have another episode of the Teller of Curious Tales, that is, if uh, Tojinet uh, downloaded it, uploaded it, whatever. So anyways, this is a tune, so we got to take a break. you listen to Ghost Chronicles International with most reverend Steve Parson and the crazy Ron Kolick right here on Tojinet, Pararex, and wherever the hell else we'll play. 
Welcome to Toginet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. fades into part two of Ghost Chronicles International. Tonight the subject is Amazing Hauntings, the Hooten Mansion, and something I think that touches on all of us lately, poltergeists, because they're very topical. And you did ask me a very interesting question just before we went into the break, which was, are they they different than than your bog-standard ghost and haunting? Um, And of course they have a different label. Um, you know, we have ghosts and poltergeists, or hauntings and poltergeists. But in, yeah. in, in, in reality, no, there's not. If you, if you um, rewind the clock about a hundred years to, uh, oh, let's look at Harry Price. We haven't mentioned him for a week or two. Uh, he made no differentiation. I mean, he he actually preferred using the word poltergeist or geist um, to ghost. Ghost, yeah. Um, I, and in a lot of his works and, and, and investigations... That's what you should have named your book, Geistology. Geistology. Um, <laughs> but, but what you have is, uh, you know, people typically like to pigeonhole the poltergeist as, because it's, as its name implies, a noisy or crashing ghost, from the German words, polten, meaning to noise or crash about, and geist for ghost. Um, but there are noises associated with, with your average haunting, um, people say apparitions are ghosts or spirits, um, but you have apparitions associated with poltergeist cases. Witness, of course, Enfield and, and countless others where apparitions have been seen. 
Um, so what you're really dealing with is a sliding scale of experiences. At one end of the experience, um, you might label them, you might prefer to call them as hauntings, where you have this repetitious cyclic uh, phenomena that takes place. Whereas at the other end, you have this quite different phenomena. Um, different, not in its manifestation, not in, in the way that things uh, happen, the, you know, the movements and sounds and visions. But what does differentiate between poltergeists and your classic haunting is longevity. A poltergeist very rarely lasts more than a few months, you know, typically days, weeks, months, um, and then it'll fade away. And that's so, one of the, uh, well, that's one on of the things. Can that, I ask you, you a know, question on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when you said it only lasts for months and it fades away, does the phenomena only last for months or is it the, the thing? In other words, for instance, uh, poltergeist is moving objects and so forth, telekinesis. Does the telekinesis stop, but there are still reports of uh, apparitions or cold spots? The whole thing... Uh, 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 do they just, you know, do they do follow-ups? Do they, so I'm trying to well, curious well, yes, about. I mean there are there are many cases that were, you know where follow-ups have been done, um, including Enfield and others. And what tends to happen there is a there is a sort of progression with a poltergeist case. It starts off fairly low level with a few bumps, bangs, rattles, and uh, noises. Um, yeah. That progresses through to movements. In extreme cases, it will get to uh, severe movements, uh, fire starting, uh, pooling of water, flooding, object being thrown about. Uh, very rarely, in fact, in almost all cases, uh, you know, re recorded cases, there has been no serious or substantial injuries uh, ever reported. Then, then after this peak, it's it, it starts to fall away, um, and over the, the you know, gradually fading away to absolutely nothing. It just you know it doesn't stop suddenly, um, but it you know sort of builds up to this crescendo and then it fades away again. Um, and that's one of the classic differences between a haunting. A haunting may, may last for decades, uh, you know, for hundreds of years in some cases. Um, and that is the essential difference between the two. But in terms of the, the actual events themselves, uh, a poltergeist it has all of the same sort of phenomena that a haunting would have, um, perhaps in different quantities, perhaps in different magnitudes. Um, I, but... A very short. It's almost like a light bulb burning brightest before it burns itself out entirely. Uh, so what you might be dealing with is this, and this is what's given rise to these um, explanations of RSPK associated with uh, puberty, because you have this sort of short period of time when the the the, the teenager is at their most uh, worked up. The the hormones are at their most sort of flowing through the body. Um, and then this this fades away. But there are many many cases where you know, there isn't the there's such an obvious human focus. And so we look at the other explanation. I mean, some of the theories that relate to activity can be you know you can sort of categorise them. You've got fraud, um, and there are our observers uh, Joe Nickel um, over in America, others here in the UK. Oh. Joe Nickel, um, who've suggested that fraud. Uh, is probably one of the easiest explanations for alleged poltergeist activity. Because uh, he's proved it so many times. And, you know, linked to people who are emotionally unstable and attention-seeking, or, okay. or just out to trick the, the investigators. Other explanations are obviously misinterpretation. 
that witnesses can be unreliable, that observers are often seeing what they expect to see. Um, that was that you know that's an often put forward natural physical phenomena. Underground seismic forces have been suggested. Subterranean water. Um, you know they. <laughs> I don't think they would count as natural physical phenomena. No. But then you've got extended physics, so you've got action at a distance. And this is where we get onto this psi uh, and field theory and higher space, uh, non-localized effects, so RSPK coming back in, mental phenomena such as telepathy and clairvoyance, uh, additional physical space lying outside the ordinary physical spaces, so you've got multidimensionality um, being, being offered forward. There's a whole raft of different theories each one has its uh, proponents and opponents. And but I think I think if you we, just said to the average person, "What is a poltergeist?" and they would they would pretty much give you the standard. Parapsychology. They, they would give you. They would either give you the standard parapsychology or the standard movie. Uh, more recently, <laughs> more recently in the last few years, so in the last four or five years, uh, particularly in the UK, but also in America. And in fact, um, American investigators have been to the UK to visit the poltergeist house. Um, there's been a resurrection of properties um, that in the historically in the past have been associated with a poltergeist outbreak. Um, and they're now popular on the ghost hunting scene and that people claim that the poltergeist has either never gone away or has come back with a vengeance but this is completely unsupported and is it is is the phenomena itself is completely different from the original phenomena but the, there is also a change in attitude of the poltergeist um the modern sort of four or five year old version of the poltergeist the movie the sorry the television ghost hunting version of the poltergeist is that it is an evil malicious uh, violent force rather than a, you know, as it was described earlier, a naughty child phenomena, a mischievous, um, not really, you know, more, more trouble, uh, troublesome rather than malicious. Um, but we've now got them associated with demons and uh, demonic possessions and, you know, really bad stuff. Uh, so that has been a, a notable change in the public attitude. And, Do you know how many documented cases of people being killed by ghosts? I believe there's two of them. Are there two? No, there's, I think there's two. Isn't there? You've got the Bell Witch in Tennessee. Uh, yeah. And there's one, I think, from Europe. Uh, but I can't remember the details. But the most notable, of course, is the Bell Witch. Um, but even that was... Tennessee. Even, even that's, that... yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there are very few accounts on record of people being um, injured, uh, even you know, even in quite violent poltergeist outbreaks. Objects get thrown around, and now well, it's you know, or, I kind of have or, to disagree with you because I think that's a big phenomenon with uh, uh, ghost hunters nowadays. Is that they oh, like yeah. to tote their injuries? I mean, I remember I went to Josh Mantello's wedding out in North Adams. And after the the wedding reception, uh, Anne and, and Leslie and I went out and uh, we went for a walk in the, and uh, <coughs> we went to the Houghton Mansion and, you know, and they were running a ghost hunting event there, there, and we talked to a couple of people outside and they said, oh yeah, I was in the basement. Look at my thing. I got all scratches here and uh, you could barely see them, but that's besides the point. And so we, we now 
people are having this phenomena uh, where where ghosts are scratching them, uh, you know, and, and, and harming them, which, you know, was really uncommon. Uh, there are reports, don't get me wrong, prior to that, but... Uh, They're incredibly rare. Yes, exactly. Rare. That's what I'm trying to get at, I mean, Steve. Yeah. Jeff the Mongoose, I, I think, was alleged to have bitten the girl. And mm. There are a handful, I mean, literally a handful. Bell Witch again. Yeah, the Bell Witch. Um, Enfield, where the Lego brick um, hit the man on the hit the guy on the head. Um, you know, these are minor, minor things, but we do have an epidemic, and this really actually comes from um, oh, the American. Uh, there was an American sort of docudrama series that used to a run. haunting, a haunting, a haunting. And, oh yeah, and. You couldn't go a single week without somebody getting scratched on camera or claiming yep. to be scratched on camera. Then, of course, that was picked up by the television ghost hunters. And mm-hmm. yeah, in fact, that, just before we came on air, I was reading about an encounter with a haunted one of the uh, British haunted dolls, a doll called Elizabeth. Mm. Um, and they go live on Facebook once a week with the doll, and people um, watch on Facebook and then they e- they they message in their own experiences. And I was. This this uh, only before just before we came on air tonight, I was reading somebody. They were they were watching the Facebook stream, and they got ah. scratched. See? And they had a picture of this scratch, and of course the doll got the blame for it, even though the doll was hundreds of miles away, and their only link was via Facebook. Doesn't matter. Um, doesn't matter. Energy travels to the waves. You know they were connected, and that's how it works. Everybody knows that, Steve. Well, Jeez. yeah, but maybe. Geez, Steve, everybody knows that. Oh, that was a whole new theory. I have to put that into the. Uh, <laughs> you never do that, like scratch. Oh, yeah. scra- I, I mean, I know it says here actually, um, poltergeist cases at uh, action at a distance, but I don't think it includes. No, can't see any scratching at a oh, distance. Sure, that's yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, we know that even. I mean, were you involved with? Uh, uh, What's that movie, that TV series? In fact, it's still on. Uh, Almost Haunted, right? Uh-huh. Didn't they do their live ones and people would, would call in with, with stuff that happened to them at home, even though they were watching the show? Well, it's not just Most Haunted. I mean, Yuri Geller was famous for doing that. He would appear on television and he would stop and start people's watches and he would he would get the, the, the viewing audience on the, from the television show to um, phone in, write in. Um, and you know, tell their, their amazing experiences, and, and you know, I remember people. And there was no shortage, was there? Never, never a shortage. You know, no. he, uh, at the end of the program, the BBC or whichever channel it was here in the UK would, you know, uh, say that we've had uh, astonishing claims by people phoning in and saying that you know, grandfather's watch, which hasn't run for ninety years, which was lying on the shelf abandoned, suddenly started to tick all by itself. Uh, because, you know, Geller was on the television. You will always get this, um, in fact, it's called the Geller effect. Um, and it's, it's, it's not uncommon in paranormal cases. You know, people see, people see their heroes on television. They see Zach Bacon and, you know, they want to emulate him. They want to use his kit. They want to dress like him. They want to act like him. They want to, you know, run around and, and be him. Um, but that's, that's the nature of human. Well, sorry, that's human. That's human nature, and that's part of the fascination of investigating, because you end up investigating the investigators, you know, off, right. oftentimes. But doesn't but with, that all the way go back to the to once again is the, the power of the mind, and, and we know that happens because 
we do medical studies where people have placebos and they, they get cured with it. Or, or uh, you know, prayer, is it prayer that, that cures it? Or, you know, is that is that the power of the human mind that that we we can't even totally understand that it, that it's what it can do and what it can't do? We don't know very much, do we? But I mean, it certainly applies in terms of poltergeist. If we look at one of the most famous, which was uh, the Rosenheim poltergeist, which took place in southern Bavaria in the 1960s, it was investigated by the uh, parapsychologist Hans Bender. Um, Hans now, Bender. In the, Hans Bender. In this, in this, there was a young uh, okay. girl, I can't remember, Anna Marie. Um, and here we had uh, um, extraordinary things that, that certainly couldn't be replicated by by the investigators. I mean, the, the the thing about the light swinging backwards and forwards. But one of the most bizarre with this was uh, a telephone. Um, I don't know that I can't remember the exact details, but this. Um, was making an extraordinary number of, of um, uh, phone outgoing phone calls, um, mm-hmm. which were actually part of, you know, they were being recorded by the telephone company. They were coming in at the rate of several every, you know, every second, mm-hmm. uh, way faster than a human being could ever, or uh, there was no dialing machine, there was no computerized dialing systems in, this, in, the, in the 1960s. Um, and yet this this thing was doing it, you know, objects moved about, uh, the, the, you've got the classics of this stuff, you know. Um, yeah. It's funny you mention that, Steve, because I actually worked on a case where someone had a uh, an old answer machine in the closet, and when this person died, they heard noises, and they went in the closet, someone died in the house or went in the house, and there was like a hundred messages on this stupid machine and they called some of the numbers and the numbers, some of which disconnected others were from people who had passed. And it, it, it was, you know, a, a strange phenomena. Uh, I, I had, wasn't aware of the one you were talking about, but I did, did re- that recalled this particular investigation, which was intriguing. Well, to return to the original point you were making about it's the person, I mean, mm-hmm. Bender after do, you know, he examined the case over, over quite a period of time. And he believed that it was actually the emotional unhappiness of this young girl, this Anne Marie, who was a secretary at this at this uh, in this group of offices, uh, which converted him to the idea of psychokinesis. That it was down to the human being and the you know, this belief that the brain was involved. You know, she was frustrated with her job. She uh, um, uh, 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 her engagements had recently been broken, and it, ultimately, when she left. Um, and got married, the thing stopped. It all went away. It all went quiet. So um, like the, ca- the Carrie phenomena? Uh, I get. Well, she disappeared in rather more spectacular fashion, didn't she? Um, taking the house with her, as I recall. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there are... With the Enfield case, uh, Nickel, Joe Nickel, famously blamed the girls. He said that they threw stuff. And yes, they did. Um, they did, and they were caught, the, you know, within within seconds of throwing something, and you know, they were they were chastised by the investigators and said, you know, why did you do? Well, we wanted to put on a bit of a show. And of course, Nickel uh, then said that they did absolutely everything; that they were responsible for all of the phenomena, and it was fraudulent. Now they weren't there for some of the time when things took place. They weren't, you know, they weren't even in the in the town. They'd gone away to, you know, uh, to stay elsewhere. 
on other occasions they weren't in the in the room when things happened um, you have you have witnesses um, in fact you have multiple witnesses to the same phenomena and the girls not being present so clearly you're either dealing with some extraordinary ability of the human mind um, or the most extraordinary ability of two young girls to be able to outwit and fraudulently carry out such uh, bizarre and extreme acts, one of which included ripping from a wall a 40-pound solid cast-iron fireplace, uh, physically wrenching it out of the wall. Um, Nickel and others, uh, the, the problem with a lot of these debunkers is that they don't read the they don't read the account. They read they selectively pick the bits that they want, exactly. and then and then hang their hat on that, and then say, well, I don't need to look at anything else because it's all fraudulent. It's the girls, or it was you know um, this that and the other explanation. Because hey, haven't you done that with Hobbs? No. <laughs> And I've no, made that it, point. It, it, it always, comes made, back to, always comes back to arms, doesn't it? Well, I've made that point many, many times that the experiment we did demonstrates unequivocally and repeatedly, uh, as demanded by good, good practice, so anybody can go away and replicate the experiment. But it does demonstrate that um, digital cameras um, capture anomalies that that. Uh, been given the label and are so well understood that we didn't bother with them. However, I've always said that there is a a whole class of um, human experiences, light anomalies, will-o'-the-wisps, corpse candles, that predate photography and may be similar or may be different, but the experiment we conducted only ever related to those that appeared on digital or still photography and video. I'm looking at the time, and I think we ought to play the Teller of Curious Tales yeah. so we may not get it in. Well, so, uh, Karina, sweetheart, can you uh, play the Teller of uh, Curious Tales for us, please? If you're still there. Uh-oh. Maybe. Hi, boy. Tonight, I, the teller of curious tales, open my book once again and bring you strange and unusual stories, true stories stranger than any fiction ever written. Listen to the teller of curious tales. There have been many gags, hoaxes, and practical jokes perpetrated which have humbugged a small number of people. But in 1824, the whole city of New York was fooled by one that seemed so ridiculous today, we marvel anyone could have ever believed it. The people of that growing metropolis of 150,000 were worried because the lower part of Manhattan Island was so much closer to sea level than the upper part. They thought it was because the buildings weighed it down. One morning, a little dried-up man appeared before the central market and announced he had a contract to turn Manhattan Island around, turn it 
so that the high parts would be where the low parts stood. His method was very simple. He was just going to saw it loose from its moorings, row it out into the bay, turn it around and push it back in a reverse position. For equipment, he would use 20 saws, each 150 feet long, with teeth three feet high and each manned by 50 men. Then there were to be 48 oars, each 250 feet long, and these were to be manned by 100 men each. The oars were to be mounted on cast iron towers, which were to serve as oarlocks. After this, he started registering workmen for his giant undertaking. This continued for three weeks, during which time New Yorkers talked of nothing but this stupendous engineering feat, and Lozier, the man who was to do it. Finally, when he could put the people off no longer, Lozier announced the day when work would commence. Everyone was to meet at the Bowery and Spring Street. Lumber dealers were to be at the starting point with building materials for workmen's houses. Farmers and butchers were to be there with steers, pigs and plenty of chicken. The men hired for the undertaking were also to report and led by a fife and drum corps. The whole procession was to be marched to the upper part of Manhattan where the work would commence immediately. At the appointed time and place, men with wagon loads of lumber, men with cows, men with pigs, men with chickens, men with sheep, workmen with their families, some with wagons full of household goods, and thousands of spectators choked the streets. The fife and drum corps played, and the parade lined up, when it was suddenly discovered that Lozier hadn't arrived. Hours went by, still no Lozier. Horses reared, frightened by the music, children cried, cattle bellowed, pigs squealed, pandemonium reigned. But still, no Lozier. No one had seen him. No one could find him. After five hours had gone by, some of the more intelligent decided that they had been fooled and sheepishly sneaked home. The rest of the crowd followed their lead. A few hotheads began looking for the perpetrator of this hoax, threatening to lynch him. But Lozier, knowing what the temper of the crowd would do, was in comfortable hiding on a farm in the wilds of Long Island. The gong strikes. My time is up. On my next visit, I'll bring you other stories, curious tales, strange beliefs. The teller of curious tales has closed his book and about to go on his way. I'll be back again on Ghost Chronicles International with more strange stories. Sleep tight. <laughs>、Well, that that would have messed up the New York Metro, wouldn't it? If uptown had become downtown and crosstown had become the other, cross, the other side. I don't know, I'm all for that. Yeah.
I don't know why ever, anybody ever didn't think of it, especially with the technology we have now. I'm sure we could turn the island down a lot easier. I don't think, I, yeah, I, I can see that working in America because, uh, you know, hey, you know. I'm sure Trump can make it happen. Well, remember the Americans are slightly more gullible, aren't they? They did buy London Bridge thinking it was Tower Bridge and then put it in the Arizona desert. <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, how many times did you buy the Eiffel Tower? Not me. Uh, at least twice, I believe. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so we got to go. That was the ding-dong of the bell. I know. Hasn't time flown? Yeah, I guess. <sighs> so there you go. Another show down the tubes. Uh, we did have a question that we should answer, it, and it's very simple, and I'll let you finish it. Isn't a poltergeist just a noisy ghost? As I answered in the chat room, essentially yes, but possibly not. There you go. Nice and to the point. That's the way I like it. So I hope we answered that question or not for you. Nathan. I did. I did. Yeah. There you there go. go. So anyway, uh, don't forget, you're coming over here in September to do Spirit Quest, Houdini and Doyle, which is going to be exciting as always. Uh, Are we going to the Hooten open. Mansion? No, we're going to own the Hooten Mansion by then. Mm -hmm. Am I allowed to visit it then? Can we no. stay there? No. Why? And no. Why? It's got four bathrooms. Four half baths. I need half a bath. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of that one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I ain't touching it. <laughs> i tell you, one of the funniest things in, in going out with the show is that during that investigation, we had put one of those uh, rape alarms, to, I don't know what they call them. You put them on the doorknob, so if anybody tries yeah, to open like the door, the alarm hotel, goes off. Hotel door alarm, I think. Yeah, okay. So yeah. Yeah, we put on one of those uh, and, and stairs going to the, uh, on the door to the stairs. And it's next to the, the uh, ladies' room. And uh, one of the girls uh, went to the ladies' room. She came out of the ladies' room. I guess she slammed the... Uh, door too hard and the alarm went off and next thing we saw she's screaming down the corridor with the hands waving in the air right past us and out of the house good night god bless from ghoulies to ghosties long-leggedy beasties and things that go bump in the night deliver us good lord <laughs>